Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Monday morning, March 30th in 2020 on When I Rise. This week we're in year A of the Common Lectionary, and this is the week leading up to Palm Sunday, but instead of the Palm Sunday liturgy, we're going to start doing the Liturgy of the Passions that we have all week next week. Uh, that leads us up to Easter to do Holy Week liturgy. And so on Monday mornings, we like to do the Old Testament text for the week. And so we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9. So I'll read that passage, then I'll provide a couple points of reflection. Then we'll spend some time praying along its theme this morning. Uh, Just as a reminder, there's a chance for you to uh, help the podcast if you'd like. You can follow the link in the show notes to our Patreon page. Five bucks a month helps to nurse the podcast, but also to help dig a water well through charity water. So please consider that. But let's spend some time praying before God this morning, allowing our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9. The Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens my soul morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I have offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the Sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. Like the moths they will be eaten up. This is the word of God for us. Well, what can we say about Isaiah chapter 50? Uh, Just keep in mind the whole story of the book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters are basically a prediction of the fall of Jerusalem. Isaiah is a prophet, and he's one of the royal prophets. He's in uh, royalty. He's among uh, the main leadership of the nation of Israel. And so for 39 chapters, he's predicting the fall of Jerusalem, and it happens 100 years after Isaiah's life. But scholars note that there is a key change starting in chapter 40 and going all the way through the end of the book. Now, there's a couple of things, uh, a couple of different conclusions. One could be that uh, Isaiah changes his key and that he predicts this restoration uh, that is hinted at through the second half of the book of Isaiah. Or this might be some of Isaiah's disciples writing uh, continuing in the tradition of Isaiah the prophet and they are uh, talking about the restoration of Israel. So um, what we could say is that uh, as we get into the later parts of Isaiah is that uh, as God is trying to uh, deal with Israel because of their stubbornness he also doesn't want to give up on them. Uh, We see in uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 41 through 47, there's a trial between God and Israel where God lays out his plan against all the sins of Israel. And you would think that after all this eyewitness account that Israel would uh, be honest about their shortcomings and sins and they would change their ways. But we see in Isaiah 48 that Israel continues to be stubborn. So we have this stunning proclamation from God that God wants to forfeit them, but God doesn't want to give up on wanting to bless all the nations and bless all the nations 
through Israel. That's his one plan. And so what is God's response going to be? What we hear is that God wants to send a servant on behalf of Israel and for the sake of the nations. So from Isaiah 49 through 55, we get this great long passage, this huge chunk where God's servant is described and uh, his experience is hinted at. There's echoes of it through the rest of the story. There's two things that we can say about Israel's, that God's servant to Israel is that he will be exalted and he will also be rejected. And we see a bit of that uh, bi- biographical count here in Isaiah 50. The, the, the servant says that he has an instru- uh, instructor's tongue, that he opens his ears to be instructed, and that God will give him a word in season which will sustain the weary. That he's going to be insightful, that he's going to have wisdom, that he's going to draw a crowd and people will be eager to listen. But we're also a little bit disappointed because even though he's got an instructed tongue, even though he's got ears that have heard the truth, he also is one who is scorned and rejected. He listens to God. He hosts the truth, but he's scorned for it. But even this, this servant is not, uh, is, is not disappointed because he believes that God's vindication is nearby. And this is hinting at the teaching and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was one who was... He was one who listened to God and he um, gathered the crowds and the crowds felt like uh, he had a different word and that it was a more powerful word, one with authority than the rest of the teachers of Israel. It was said of Jesus that he was attested by God through miracles and through his teaching and preaching ministry. And so we also see in the life of ministry of Jesus that even though he was wildly popular, he was scorned and he was rejected. And we, we meditate on that in this last week as Jesus enters into to Jerusalem and he's hearing the cries of save us now and he continues to teach, but bit by bit he begins to lose popularity until he's ultimately handed over, not just by those who are opposed to him, but also his own disciples who um, find that it's more advantageous to reject Jesus than to embrace Jesus. And so here we hear in Isaiah 50, uh, the very testimony of Jesus. But we have to hear the hope of Jesus in this passage as well, that he believes that he will be vindicated, that God does not scorn him, that even though the rest scorn him, God does not. So what does this teach us today? I think what it teaches us is that we can seek God, that we can share and host and live on the truth, and that God will be near us. We're in a moment right now where to speak the truth is welcomed. I believe people are seeking the truth. I think sometimes while people are scorning the truth. So instead of pointing our fingers, instead of trying to gather allies, instead of uh, gathering into silos, into echo chambers, where it's comfortable for us to speak our own little native truth and be patted on the back by our friends and to avoid those who oppose us, we need to put our hope in God again and recognize that we're in the lineage of Jesus, that we can host the truth And that whether we're embraced or we're ignored, God will vindicate us because God loves and vindicates his people. So let's have a prayer this morning, prayer of dedication towards the way of God so that God would empower us for our task ahead. Let's spend some time praying this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that even during this week where we meditate upon the sufferings of Christ, 
we recognize that you are faithful. Everything that the all the things that Jesus experienced uh, wasn't anything new or wasn't anything that caught you off guard. We thank you that even hundreds of years before, through your servant, the prophet Isaiah, that you mentioned that there would be a truth speaker, a wise teacher, who would be rejected. But this teacher would not be dismayed. This teacher would put his hope in God. And so we thank you that Jesus understood this and he continued to put his hope in you even during the week of his suffering. And so God, this day we thank you that we belong to Jesus, that we are found in Christ. We thank you that you give us the opportunity and you give us the responsibility to host the truth. And God, we understand that truth is under under attack today. And it's not just under attack by those who we might uh, consider as... Um, you know, expe- you know, expected. But we also know, God, that deep within us, we want to resist the truth. And so, God, this day, we thank you that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. And so we think that Jesus wasn't ashamed or afraid to live and to host the truth. And so, God, this day, we pray that you would allow us to have the same courage as Christ. And I pray that with the tone of kindness... And with the tone of compassion, we would host the truth. And that this truth would be beautiful. And that people from the north and the south and the east and the west, those who are near and those who are far, would recognize the truth of Christ and would seek to be transformed by it. So God, use our lives. Allow us not to be afraid. Allow us to have courage. I pray that that courage would lead to our transformation. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.